Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Easy Conversations podcast, a podcast about having easy conversations. I'm your host, Furkan Dandia. In this week's episode, I'm really excited to welcome Kyle Rushton, who is a relationship coach and speaker, supporting individuals and couples in creating healthy, purposeful, and empowering relationships. He also supports his clients by empowering them to take radical responsibility for the part their world plays by helping them alchemize the healing power of doing inner self work. And then by opening them up to the transformational potential that their relationship naturally invites in. Then he's able to help them bridge the gap between what they fear and the profound love and connection they desire. He is also the co-host of a men's personal development podcast called Modern Masculinity with the K, which focuses on unpacking topics surrounding the concept of masculinity to help men redefine and realign themselves on what it means to be a modern man. In this episode, Kyle shares his own journey of navigating relationships and what he has learned. Kyle and I then talk about the importance of building a solid foundation on which the relationship can be based on and why it is important to work on ourselves to improve how we show up in our relationships. We discuss many things, including attachment styles, conflict resolution, expressing our insecurities and timing of communication. If you want to check out Kyle, he's on Instagram at the relationship coach underscore. And if at the end, if you could leave a five-star review, I would truly appreciate it. All right, Kyle, thanks for uh, coming to the Easy Conversations podcast and having this conversation with me. Uh, uh, we've been chatting offline quite a bit and you're based in Calgary, so it's always great to have uh, local people come on the podcast. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for our conversation today. But before we jump into it, I want to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself, uh, maybe explain to the listeners what it is that you do. And then, yeah, let's uh, jam out from there. Beautiful. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to have this conversation about relationships with you and dive deep into what it means to be in one and in a healthy, meaningful, strong and powerful relationship. So for those that don't know, my name is Kyle. I more often go by Coach Kyle, and that's because I am a relationship coach and I support people in creating and building meaningful relationships. I help them alchemize the power of the two entities that they are, the two powerhouses that they are into creating something absolutely extraordinary. And we do that by building it all up from the ground. And essentially the way I like to look at it is really focusing on the architecture of mm -hmm. what the relationship is and where the resources are found and, you know, what the architecture of the foundation really is, because mm -hmm. that's where it's all really going to uh, show and prove in the long run what it is that you two are building together and how sturdy and strong your, uh, I call it love tower really is. Mm -hmm. So that's my main premise. And then, uh, I am also a co-host of the podcast called modern masculinity, which is similar to this podcast where it's focused on mental health mm -hmm. and men's personal development to engage in hopefully breaking some of the stigmas and traditional roles that we as men feel and breaking into new, healthier, and, uh, just more meaningful lifestyles. So that's a bit about what I do and, and who I am. Cool. Yeah, no, thanks for sharing all that. And uh, very similar, I guess, ideas around, to your point, breaking that stigma. And, and obviously, relationships are, are huge when it comes to that. Um, a lot of men struggle br bringing their true self 
to the relationships. And, and I'm sure we're going to talk about that in a bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, before we go there, I just want to understand, because that's one of the questions I have is why relationships? What made you want to focus on that area? Um, uh, yeah, if you don't mind mm-hmm. sharing. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I have a pretty deep history and experience with relationships. And I feel like a lot of people can speak to that as well. But I have been in, we'll call it the relational game for what feels like since the time I was born until this, this moment. Mm-hmm. And it's been an, an intense journey. I remember my very first kiss was in grade five and I was seeking that out at that young age. I think you're, you were 10, 11 at that age. Like you're just such a young little boy. And I was like, yes, like I'm going to be the first one out of everybody to kiss somebody in front of other people. Mm. And I don't know if anybody had similar stories, but it's like the gathering they have in in schools where they're just almost (laughs) waiting to watch the little ones kiss. Like it's so weird, but it's just what happened. And that sent me on the journey towards wanting to be in a relationship and be with somebody and have a partner and just, well, at that point, just have a girlfriend. Like it was just have a girlfriend. So that was my journey right out of the gate. And that continued on for well, the rest of my life until now, mm-hmm. it was a constant in and out of relationship. Some of them lasted long, about seven years was the longest one, but there was two big breaks in between. And I was dating in between those breaks too. So again, it was just this tumultuous relationship with relationships mm-hmm. and it kind of extended into starting out as a life coach. Mm -hmm. because I was fearful of entering into the arena of relationships because it required me to be incredibly vulnerable about my own. Mm -hmm. And I have found it very common amongst my clients and the people I speak to of speaking about the relationship in a true and honest way, because it feels like you are just supposed to know how to do it. Yeah. You're supposed to be really good at it. And if it ends, then there's something wrong with you. Mm -hmm. So entering into that arena felt more vulnerable than just doing on a general life coaching scale. So I avoided it for years in my first initial steps into life coaching. And I always knew it was on my heart. I always knew it was there, but I refused to look at it. It was part of the conversation, obviously, with life coaching because it's a part of life. Yeah. But uh, I couldn't look at it uh, as an intense matter as I wanted to or needed to. And then it really came off the back of a pretty harsh, uh, in my experience, a pretty, pretty difficult breakup that led me into men's work. And then led me into the podcast. And all of a sudden I realized that a lot of my tendencies surrounded relationships, a lot of my experiences, and also a lot of the conversations I was supporting my clients with was about relationships. Mm. It just seemed to be the centerfold. And I said, you know, there's something missing here. That's not in a sense, and this is going to sound maybe a little selfish, but not revitalizing you in these experiences. Yeah right? Like my service to others is leaving me more depleted than energized. And I'm helping people change their lives, but it's not um, feeling like I'm doing so. Mm -hmm. And it came down to, for me, the realization that it was because the relationship side of thing was really where it all stemmed from. And Mm -hmm. that's why I always phrase it. And there's three components to a relationship. There's relationship to self, there's relationship to your partner, and then there's relationship to the world. 
what is what does that look like and you can even break it down to context of what's the relationship to this book that's sitting on my table. Like I have mm-hmm. a relationship with this book. I either hate it or I don't. Mm-hmm. I enjoy writing in it. I think it's beautiful. Or I think it's ugly. Like there's a relationship and how I treat it is based on that relationship I see. So I just realized everything was part of that container. So let's mm-hmm. just dive head first. Let's get into mm-hmm. it and let's really deep dive into my own experience, start to own it. And as I did, I became more alive. So mm-hmm. that was the telling experience for me that this is exactly where you should be. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. Thanks for breaking that down. And, and I love the way, you know, you've explained it, the the three relationships. And I think personally, I believe the the one that gets undermined or doesn't get any attention in most cases is the one we have with ourselves. And, and I try to talk about that quite a bit too, is, is that's where it starts, right? When you were talking about foundations, like that's where it should start. Uh, at least in my mind. And then that's where you can, if you've got that strong foundation with yourself, then you can build healthier and positive relationships with other people uh, and, and the world around you. Um, but if, if the foundation is cracked or weak, then you're going to be mm-hmm. in a world of hurt. A hundred percent. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And this reminds me, I was actually just speaking to a client today about this because the biggest focus of our sessions together is relationship with self. Mm. And I asked this person, what do you think of when you think of relationship to self? And the way that they phrased it was, it's my relationship to my thoughts. Hmm. And I thought, I found that incredibly fascinating. And I don't even think I've really engaged in the fact that there's also a relationship with thoughts as well. Mm -hmm. I'm more about the managing of thoughts, the corralling of thoughts, the, and sometimes controlling or repressing, like all of the things we do with thoughts, but to have a relationship with them spoke to me in that, that specific way. And that I think a lot of our relationship to self is our relationship to our own thoughts because they dictate so much about what we do, how we feel, how we operate in a day. So improving that improves your relationship to self almost. And it's almost could be viewed as a foundational piece of your own tower that you're building that needs to be at the bottom for everything else to be built off of. Otherwise self-deprecation and unhealthy verbiage and disrespect come through and the whole thing topples down. Right. So I just just found it very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll piggyback on that. I think the, the focus then needs to become, if we're truly talking about the relationship with our thoughts, is, are, is around the thoughts that we avoid or, or that give us the most anxiety. And that's where the answers lie in my mind, because once we start exploring those thoughts, we learn a lot about ourselves and, and our history and our wounding and all of it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Amen. And, you know, I'm actually going to double piggyback because I think there's a, <laughs> there's a really cool concept in there as well. Something that I personally struggled with is my inability to allow in the joyful thoughts mm. and on the same side. It's, uh, it's blocking the joyful thoughts that come in, which means I don't have a great relationship with joy. That that's obvious the obvious of the equation, mm-hmm. but it's, it's what is my relationship to those thoughts? Cause I'm pushing those away too, saying that couldn't mm-hmm. be possible. You didn't do enough. Uh, there could be more, or you're not deserving of it. Like all of these experiences as well. So it's on, um, both sides where I have personally learned so much about my relationship to self and what I feel willing to feel and not feel or think and not think. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's very well said. And, and often, yeah, I think the, the result of that, I guess in, real tough relationship we can have with joy is guilt right and and then we carry that guilt for some reason um yeah very interesting 
Um, so, so yeah, I, I think you've talked about why you got into this aspect of coaching around relationships through your own experience. Uh, what was it kind of like, what were the answers that you came up with? Like, what were those, you, you mentioned joy is one of them, but what were you hiding from? Why were, mm -hmm. why were you chasing relationships? And, and, and what's changed now that you've had more awareness? Mm. Good question. Incredible question. And I think a question that will speak to a lot of people listening is why are we chasing relationships? Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> the, there's so many facets to that, that I've learned about myself and I've learned just in general, and I'm sure you'll be able to speak to this in depth as well. But it, for me, I have anxious attachment style tendencies. So that's a huge one for me. Now, notice for those listening, I didn't say I have an attention an anxious attachment style. I'm not identifying with this. It is just patterns of behavior that I've repeated that have kept me safe. Mm. So detaching from that was first step um, of recognizing, okay, you are an anxious attachment style. Mm -hmm. That is your behavior. That is who you are. And that still didn't really support my journey. So I still had to find a way to separate that, which is obviously further steps along. So I have an anxious attachment style behavior pattern. Uh, I also have a physical touch as my number one love language. Mm -hmm. So you combine those two uh, and you start to come across uh, <laughs> pretty aggressive in the ways in which you're operating, right? You, you <laughs> want to be held and held hands and touchy yeah. and feely, right? That's my number one. And at the same time, you're anxious about this person leaving you. So now you're actually physically embodying that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then to extend off of that, the challenge that I feel like I swear all of us have is the, uh, not even, uh, I don't want to say a problem, but this, I guess the challenge is that uh, there's a lot of enmeshed family systems. Mm -hmm. So you start to believe that that partner should be the person that you want them to be and that you should be molding into one, not keeping yourself separate into two. Right. And so combine all of those things. And there I was just over and over and over again, refusing to be alone refusing to be single, only leaving a relationship. If I knew another one was right there, mm. it was this constant pull because I couldn't be alone. Mm -hmm. I couldn't be with myself because I didn't know what that meant. And at the same time, I was mimicking behaviors that my family behaved mm -hmm. in, in the sense of there was uh, new people in my life often. And what that translated to me as was, oh, okay, got it. They can come and go. There's not really a commitment level here. Um, you commit fully when you're in it, but you can go whenever. And so you can just kind of, this is going to sound terrible, but you can almost recycle. You can just move through the process because as long as you're with somebody, you're fine. Yeah. That's the, that's the goal. Just be with somebody at some point. Mm -hmm. So that left me chasing again, like I said, every relationship that I was in until I finally took a stand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think everything you've explained, uh, I don't want to go off on a tangent, but um, <laughs> dating apps don't really help either, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's it's made relationships, um, and I don't know if this would be controversial, but it's made relationships very disposable. Mm. And and I think if you've got certain tendencies where you know or beliefs that you may have carried from childhood that hey, you know it's okay to recycle. Um, now everything that we have in society has made it easier to do that. Mm. 
So anyways, mm-hmm. that's probably a conversation for another day, but <laughs> fair and, you know, controversial, but I like where you're headed with that. Uh, and I think there's a lot of legs to that because it gives context to the disposability mm-hmm. that, that we're speaking of. Right. And it gives context to the on-demandness that we've created with a relationship. And that yeah. is so far from what, how foundationally speaking relationships are built and not necessarily mm-hmm. on demand. And so all, a lot of times, although they're beautiful in their own way, and I'm not knocking anybody who's ever created a beautiful relationship out of it, I do think with the right intention, they work 100%. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the variable is the intention For of, sure. am I looking to build something sustainable, strong, meaningful with a great foundation, or am I lonely? Yeah, yeah. And I think in that point you've made, I think there's an aspect of also having some resiliency and, and showing up. Right. Mm-hmm. I think we often get caught up in we have our obviously our own biases and, and our blind spots, even when it comes to relationships. We view it as, oh, I'm doing everything here. And and the other person needs to pull their weight. And meanwhile, they're thinking the same and we're not communicating. Um, and and we have obviously our egos show up and 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 obviously they cause denial and and we kind of start distorting reality. Mm-hmm. And, and that creates an issue too. And I think it's really about coming in with the intention of showing up as your best self, not worrying about the outcomes or what the other person's doing, which obviously is very hard. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And something that we're going to discuss, I already know, is that that concept of best self, I think for me, really means authentic self. Mm-hmm. It's the truest version of you. And sometimes that's not the best possible version of you because that's the facade. Mm-hmm. It's really the authenticity of you had a bad day today and you still show up from that place of yeah. not suppressing that. Uh, and that is your best, right? That's showing up still, even though it's been a hard day, that is the best that you can offer in that moment. But that's the real. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the true authenticity of that experience. Absolutely. And, and in those moments, it's also being humble and asking for compassion mm-hmm. uh, and, and demonstrating it. And one of the concepts I like, uh, I believe it's from the Gottman's is the emotional bank account, right? It's mm. building that emotional bank account where you can withdraw from. Mm-hmm. Amen. Well said. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. So I think we talked about, and I identify, well, identify, or I have also tendencies uh, mm. as an anxious attached person. And, and I think there's a, there's a constant need to be in a relationship too, because uh, we struggle to be alone. And, and um, so, yeah, so thank you for sharing that. And now that, you know, we kind of talked about insecurities that kind of feeds into how, I believe we were talking offline about it, how insecurities present themselves in relationships Mm -hmm. and without either, first of all, having awareness ourselves, but even if you have the awareness, communicating that to your partner, I truly believe you need to have those conversations. What are your thoughts? Yes, I think it's a prerequisite to the foundation. And that's the foundation that uh, I support my clients with the most is that it doesn't matter at what stage you're in. If it, the foundation is not built on the level of communication that allows for the hard things to be said, then over the long term, that will be something that will dissolve the trust in the relationship. It will dissolve the trust you feel towards yourself and the trust you feel towards them because there's always something hidden. There's always something beneath and you don't know what that is. Mm. And that can also translate as a lack of consideration. 
can translate as I don't consider you in the space. I don't consider because I don't consider myself. And it can lead to resentment. Exactly, exactly. And resentment will then show in forms of shortness, disrespect, uh, lack of communication, avoidance. The list is endless. Res mm -hmm. Resentment is uh, a festering mold inside the system that will break it apart, will create mm -hmm. a br brutal stench and make it really difficult to be around that person because mm -hmm. of that, that resentment, I guess, stench, you call, we could call it, yeah. that impacts the, the air quality, if you will. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like, you know, the, the skeletons in the closet, they just right. keep getting worse. So, so I guess if, if, I mean, when I was younger, I would have struggled to talk about my insecurities with my partner because I would have been worried about how she would view me. Mm -hmm. uh, and I would be worried about coming across as weak. And, and I think there's a certain level of confidence that comes with maturity. And when you do that work, but I think that could be a struggle for, for many men or, or women, but uh, especially men, I would think, um, especially when it comes to discussing our insecurities, that's where we really struggle. So what are some things that you talk about with clients or at least in your model that or framework that you've built? How can people navigate that? Yeah, insecurities are for sure one of the biggest factors in just life in general. The, the idea that we don't feel secure in a certain area uh, really impacts the way we operate and it creates things like comparisonitis. We're constantly comparing to other spaces and that in and of itself then compares to the relationships and then it compares to the family systems and it goes on and on. And I think, you know, what I've noticed with myself and, and the people that I speak to is that insecurities are often not given any room because they don't want to make them real. I think a lot of times we think insecurities are just in our own head and that that's where they live. And, and I would say most of the time that that's true. Mm -hmm. um, however, there, when there's a physical manifestation of that, let's say I don't feel secure in any part of my body, right? Mm -hmm. That can feel like it's a physical manifestation of this idea that you have about yourself. Yeah, I think that insecurities are going to be the, the thing that we take the longest to kind of adjust to and navigate. And in relationships, they're incredibly difficult uh, because uh, it requires a new level of honesty. Like you can be honest with yourself all day long, but to be honest with somebody else about that experience then creates this focus on you. And I think a lot of times we get into relationships focused on our partner because mm. it takes away from the fact that we don't have to focus on ourselves anymore. We don't have to be with ourselves. We have somebody else to be with mm -hmm. and addressing an insecurity you have about yourself then puts the focus on you and requires you to face that part of you, mm -hmm. requires you, you to face yourself. Mm -hmm. And I believe that's one of the hardest things we do on this human planet is face ourselves because in the process of coming face to face with yourself through the, the mirroring process of every relationship you're ever in, we are then asked to do something about it. And I think a lot of us, at least from my experience, we don't want to actually do something about it. We, we almost like the fact that there is something wrong because eventually we could fix it. So if it wasn't wrong, then what would we do? So we're so used to this like concept of, I always have something to do. I have something to focus on because then I don't actually have to, in a way, embrace the power I have on this planet to mm. take on the big things, to expand myself, to really, really do something with this human experience, to really live. So yeah. if I can sit in my pool of insecurity, then I can just 
be, be okay. I'm good there. I'm mm. safe there. That's where my safety is. Yeah. And it's, it's complex in every single person. Right. Of and each insecurity is different, right? Like for us, for example, an insecurity, I don't know if you felt it around it. So maybe I won't generalize, but around the anxious attachment tendencies, I don't want to admit that because what would people then think of me mm-hmm. if I actually owned that? Yeah. Which I yeah. think now that I'm processing this out loud with you speaks to the idea that we don't speak about our insecurities because even we don't believe they're real, mm. but then we speak about them and then they're real. Mm-hmm. So we don't want to make them real, but we just like the idea that they could be real so we can stay in protection mode Yeah, yeah. And, and, and reduce the possibility of intense connection. So that really just kind of came to me in the sense of uh, it's all really just for safety. Mm-hmm. It's all, it's all just to keep ourselves safe and know that we can sit in the same feeling we've been in because it f- just feels right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, comfort, right? It's all about comfort. And I think it does take a great level of awareness to even accept your own securities. Like, uh, I'm not going to say I have that level of awareness, but for me, it brought up a lot of issues from childhood around mm. the, the need for validation, the, the need for approval and seeking that from partners. And how do you even, first of all, if, like I said, if you have that awareness, how do you communicate that to your partner saying, Hey, you know, I need constant validation from you. Like it really <laughs> fires up my anxious attachment style when I don't get this validation. <laughs> like, how do you say that without coming across as needy? And, and as men, we don't want to seem needy. So I think, I mean, I'm also say, saying, yeah, you can express it that way, but that's also not right. It's not healthy, mm. but it's something that I believe you need to be able to express to your partner saying, Hey, this is, something I struggle with, just so you know. So when I'm acting out or I'm acting hurt or whatever it's going on, you know, potentially where the source is, right? And so, but we, we obviously don't have those conversations. And, and I was going to go, my next question would have been like, when is the right time to have those conversations? Because mm-hmm. I believe once we pass that honeymoon phase where we've shown our best self, now we've created this facade, as you said, and now we have to, you know, keep the act going, fake it till mm-hmm. you make it is, uh, you know, what a lot of people say. So, so when is the right time? I believe it's very early in the relationship, but what are your thoughts? Mm. We'll define really early first. I think it's once you've gotten to the point of the understanding that, Hey, we're going to start dating. Um, then it's like, okay, well, here's a side of me that you should know about. And now it's your decision. I'm giving you the option here to decide if you want to be in a relationship with me or not Mm. and vice versa. What happens is we take that control away from someone by hiding it and not talking about it and waiting for the right time or, or pushing it out too long where it's like, now Mm -hmm. it's like, well, I can't have this conversation now. So Mm -hmm. that's how I feel about it at least. Mm, Beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. I think, in a lot of ways, I agree for sure. And then the communication side of it is, you know, it's going to get old and, and it's already old. People are like, just communicate. And, and everyone's like, I know. And then nothing changes because <laughs> yeah. they're like, I am communicating. And it's so fascinating to me. And honestly, I almost find myself becoming irritated by myself and my coaching experiences of like, listen, we got to communicate more. And they're like, I am. And I'm like, yeah. you're really not though. <laughs> but, but communication also is very subjective. Like the, the word itself, right? Words right. have many meanings. And, and when we say communicate, 
I believe people often think, oh, just talking to your partner, right? Mm -hmm. There's different levels of communication and depth to it, right? And I think we're talking about like the real deep, deep stuff. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, the hard things, the yeah. things that that no one ever ever wants to share because it means that you will then be fully seen, mm -hmm. and that's scary, right? Yes. Uh, being seen is is scary. So what we all crave, and it is this is so scary. Mm. Uh, but as far as timeline goes, yeah, I, I think that it has to be a part of the foundation that you say the hard thing. So whatever it is that the hard thing is, uh, the the sooner the better for sure. But I would challenge the narrative that you need to walk into your interview style dating experience and start to ask them what's your attachment style yeah. and how do you cope with this and what are your coping patterns and all. I would challenge that narrative because uh, in that sense, then we're seeking them to be a specific type of person in order for us to accept them into our lives. Mm. And that's not always the case. And it blocks the real potential that that space could have because we think that there's a specific compatibility component that we'll find within that information, which is not a great narrative because then it does block you from finding that partner. Mm -hmm. And I would, I would argue that a lot of people are looking for a partner and can't find one because of the metrics they've placed on the person they're looking for. And there is no wiggle room. There is no opportunity for them to be human. They just need to have these things figured out. So mm. in that context, do I think that if it's prompted to you as to ask, answer the question of, you know, what is your attachment style and how do you go about handling that or any of really your insecurities? I think that being honest in the sense of, I haven't really looked at it yet, or, you know, that's an interesting question. Like, what do you mean by that? Mm -hmm. And that's just the staying open process where the power comes in is what we spoke about earlier, which is the relationship to self. If you haven't had these conversations with yourself, you're not yeah. going to have them with your partner. Yeah. Right. So if I have an anxious attachment style and I'm not processing that on my own, in my own head, on my own paper, I'm not processing it with her mm -hmm. because it's more triggering to do with her because then it admits that I am not perfect mm -hmm. and that threat threatens the relationship. Right. Or at least it feels like it does. Mm -hmm. So I would never do that. I don't want right. to be single. So I'm going to do my best to have this conversation with you. But like I said, it, it won't necessarily always go over well. And I would say the majority of the time it won't, if you're not right. talking to yourself about this and you know, maybe that's not the case. Talk to a best friend. Yeah. I think a lot of ways there's other resources that we have talk to a friend, talk to a perfectly random stranger. Mm -hmm. And that. I think to some might sound scary, but I actually find that sometimes even easier because they have no context of who you are yeah. and you could never see them again. So there's outlets. And I think that having that conversation almost building up into a, okay, I'm ready to tell my partner kind of idea could be a gateway for a lot of people mm -hmm. uh, because it's difficult to have that and to admit that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Great point. And I think if you've had that conversation with yourself, you're also giving yourself that time and space to accept it mm -hmm. and 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 become comfortable with it because i mean you start reading some of the qualities right uh, whether you're avoidant or anxiously attached i think you start reading some of the qualities and there's some tough ones right they're not easy to, to swallow mm -hmm. and and often to your point if you're having those conversations with your partner it may seem as as this person may be looking down on you or or it's, oh, maybe I am a failure or I'm not good enough. There's a lot of narratives that can come up when you're trying to discuss that with your partner or, or um, go through that assessment with them. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think when you do it 
with yourself first, you've given yourself enough time to accept it and, and become comfortable with it and understand that it's perfectly normal mm-hmm. to have these attachment styles or, or insecurities. Uh, to your point, we all have them in different capacities and to different extremes, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a hundred percent. And you know, the insecurity side of this conversation is really where uh, I think a lot of the trust is built in the relationship mm. because you're handing over a piece of you that you've never handed over to anyone before. So the trust that's built out of that is profound. And this is why saying the hard things is so important is because every time we don't, we are actively avoiding connection. We are actively avoiding the connection that we can have with our partner mm-hmm. by saying, I'm withholding this information from you. Now, there's a lot of people that I've spoken to that said, well, isn't that oversharing? Mm-hmm. Like, shouldn't you keep some things to yourself? And I absolutely hear you. And I am going to challenge that narrative because there's a concept called microscopic truths that I practice with my partner. It's in mm-hmm. a book called Conscious Loving. And they speak about the importance of not necessarily feeling the need to share every single thought you have. However, be conscious of the thoughts or narratives or stories you're not sharing that are blocking connection. So if I'm having a thought of, I am irritated in the morning. Okay. And I, you know, I can move through it. I got this. It's all good. I'm I'm a man. So I got this right. The narrative we love. Mm -hmm. And so I'm trying to move on, but over the course of the day, I'm still struggling with this narrative. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm still in this thought of I'm irritated and I and maybe haven't invested my time into understanding why at some point, And honestly, probably right out of the gate. If you, if you live with this person that will affect the way in which you're operating with your partner. Right. And that seems obvious. Right. Yeah. But not admitting that you're irritated, which is the microscopic truth is what is blocking your ability to connect with your partner. And we think it's no big deal. Right. We think it's, well, you know, this shouldn't be an opportunity to connect, mm-hmm. but it is because to some degree it's conflict. Mm-hmm. And every single time conflict is a gateway to connection mm-hmm. every single time, including yeah. the conflict you have within yourself. Mm-hmm. Do I need to say this or do I not? That's the gateway to, con- to connection mm-hmm. every single time. Yeah. And then it gives you the opportunity to be like, okay, yeah, you know, I'm feeling irritated right now. And they're like, oh, okay, interesting. Like, is everything okay? And you're like, yeah, I don't really you know, feel like talking about it. I just wanted to share with you. And that could be the end, but all of a sudden, what you don't expect that happens in that moment is now you're trying to figure out, oh, why am I irritated? Mm. Interesting. Well, she asked me that question and I feel like I rejected it, which I, is my boundary, but I am very curious now. Why am I irritated? What's, what's, the, what's the reason here? And mm. all of a sudden you connect to yourself deeper. Mm. Conflict being a gateway to connection every single time. Mm. Do you feel that if you just leave it at that saying, hey, and I'm putting myself on the receiving end as an anxiously attached person. Mm. If, if you're dropping that on your partner saying, hey, I'm irritated, but that's all I know. Mm. Could that not make, especially if the other person has an anxious attachment style, feel nervous? It's like, oh, what's going to happen here? Is this mm-hmm. person looking to break up with me? Or, or like a million thoughts would come to your head. 100%. So what do you do in those situations, especially when it comes to communication? Well, what I found is that 99.99% of the time, if someone's willing and courageous enough to share that they're irritated, they're willing to share more. 
Mm. They just haven't faced that truth yet. Mm -hmm. uh, they, mm. They're very like, okay, well, I'm just going to do this because I got to do this. And then they get it out. And then all of a sudden there's a sense of overwhelming freedom. They don't realize clicks in mm -hmm. when they admit to having an experience like that. And at least for me uh, in a man, as a man in an experience with a, a woman, the ability to zoom out my experience is, is profound, mm. right? Men, as men, we all know it. We're tunnel vision as hell. We love a good one direction and that's the only way we're going. And I yeah. can't see any other solutions around that way. So if I'm irritated, all I see is get rid of the irritation. Mm. And I just had a conversation with my partner about this exact concept where she brought up the, the idea of what if you just were with the headache? What if you were just with the irritation and it didn't require it to be a problem? Mm. Like, what if it wasn't a problem? And I'm right. like, what does that even mean? Like I was instantly challenging because all I can think about is what's the reason and how to get rid of it, right? But the free, the not the, well, yeah, the freedom, the freedom that comes from admitting and owning that I'm irritated yeah, is often enough to push me into another space because it says I'm willing to hear what you have to say, even right. though I don't quite know that yet. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's the realization in the process. Yeah. Um, but at least the result is complete. Okay, I said it done yeah. and then the feminine oracle comes in and she's like okay let's talk about it let's process this and you're yeah. like no i completed this task it's over <laughs> yeah yeah exactly well she's she sounds like she's dropping some stoicism on you what if it's not a problem yeah and sometimes <laughs> that's a, right and, it, and what she didn't say was you know get rid of it or i pretend like yeah. it's not there it's just are we making a problem out of it? Cause it yeah. can still exist without being a problem. And I'm still wrapping my head around this, to be honest with you. Yeah. So I'm not beyond this by any means. And even as I speak about all these communication tools and practices and microscopic truths, I still don't always say them. Yeah. I, I still, yeah. I still find myself keeping them in. Uh, I still find myself blocking connection and, and removing myself from conflict or reducing the possibility of conflict. And uh, I think that's just the beautiful journey uh, is yeah. just a, a drifting and then a returning. A yeah. drift and then a return and that well, is something we have to be okay with absolutely we're all a work in progress right like if will smith can have a moment last night we, we all you know our work works in progress um i guess uh so so based on the level of communication you're talking about there needs to be a level of understanding too right on both ends that hey we are going to be comfortable having these conversations like i should be able to express myself and say, Hey, I'm irritated and vice versa. Right. Mm -hmm. And without either person taking it personally. Right. In a safe space. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think I understand where you're going with that because what I know to be true is a lot of times there are one way agreements made mm. in relationship in that I'm doing the work. So therefore I will share all of these things with you. And my basic expectation now, because I'm doing the work is that you will then also do the exact same thing. Yeah. We all know that doesn't work. And that gets us into trouble in every single relationship that we get into. It's the expectation side of things, but that's for another conversation. I think that if these practices are going to be in place, I don't think I know. I know that it has to be a mutual agreement or it will not work every single time. So how do we go about that? How do we do that? We have a meeting of the minds, the, the bringing together of you and your partner to have a conversation about what it is that you are looking for from the relationship. And this might seem like, well, I don't know. We know what we want. And I, I would argue that you don't. I really don't think you do because you haven't had the conversation. 
you haven't broken it down into this is what I expect out of this relationship. This is what I hope for. How do we collaborate to find a beautiful middle that we both agree to? Mm. So this is where these these communication tools come into place. These are what is called relationship agreements. So you come together just like a business plan, literally. I'm not even kidding you. You open up the notes in your phone yeah. and you start to write down the things that you are mutually agreeing to do in the relationship. This is not roles. This is not dishes. This is not uh, who cleans the house. Um, although it still could be, what this is really getting at is the nitty gritty of, okay, we agree to not yell at each other in conflict. Mm. That is an agreement I am making with you in this mm. process. Mm. So if I break that agreement, then there's something that we need to face and address. But I'm agreeing to do my best to regulate myself and not yell during conversation. Why? Because it is disrespectful and mm -hmm. does not get us a heightened conflict, right? Mm. Um, one that I made with my partner a long time ago is in conflict, we will not be swearing at each other. Mm. That is a pattern I've seen. That is a pattern she's seen. Both patterns we've both created in our whole lives. We will not be doing that. Can mm. we agree on that? And as long as they agree to this term, in a sense of the relationship, then we can move forward and know that when we handle conflict, we're both actively working on trying to navigate this experience. Mm. And if these agreements aren't made at some point, hopefully early on in the relationship, then you will run into problems because there is an expectation someone's doing the work that they actually haven't agreed to do. Mm. You just think it's a basic component of a relationship when really it's not for them. For them, mm. it is yelling. For them, yeah. it is swearing. That's yeah. a basic component. And you're saying that's wrong. And that's the problem. You have completely different ideas on how to navigate this. So right. what is your agreement? And that is how I think you really start to get into the nitty gritty of microscopic truths and heightened communication. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I think those agreements are really important. I guess there's one of the areas I would like to explore in the agreement space then is how do you handle if say your partner breaks the agreement? And, and quite often it becomes, it could become a, you know, a tit for tat, uh, especially if you're both elevated or, you know, uh, the emotions are high. So how do you manage that? Like, and I'm just thinking out loud, like, I think mm -hmm. if you need to keep the bigger picture in mind and not really focus on what may have happened with your partner. Uh, the fact that they broke their side of the agreement. Mm -hmm. So, so what do you do in those moments? Like, yeah. And that's a common narrative, right? In the sense that there's one-sided work being done and, and it's not equal. And what do I do? And they won't change. And all of these concepts that we all have probably experienced at some point or another. And I think what I know to be true is that that becomes a thing because of the lack of agreements made. And that mm -hmm. it's, it's as simple as that. And that might be like, yeah, well, no, we talked about it. And I'm like, but you didn't agree on it. Someone, someone self-sacrificed in that process. Mm. Someone abandoned their truth and it's showing because mm. they're not committing to this agreement. They're committing to it because they're fearful of the, the relationship being threatened. They didn't actually want to agree to it. Right. So the conversation wasn't actually had. It was just, hey, I need you to start doing this. And they're like, yeah, okay, got you. It's not an agreement. It's an ultimatum. Relationships can't operate on ultimatums. Mm. They have to be mutually agreed upon circumstances. Uh, a, a really basic example of an agreement that my partner and I have is how we operate in the morning. Uh, one of the challenges was that we would wake up and not be not sure what the other person was doing or would want to do. So there was a sense of codependency and enmeshment and, you know, we should expect the other person to want to connect with us and be with us in the morning coffee, mm -hmm. a multitude of different experiences that um, exist in that space. We also wanted to prioritize connection. So this is 
the first steps we did was, okay, what works best for you in the morning and what works best for me in the morning? Mm. Not what are we going to agree upon? It's Mm. what works for you and what works for me. That is the conversation that I'm talking about when you have agreements Mm. is what works for you and what works for me. What do you want? And what do I want? Not what do I want from you? Right. What do I want from a relationship that I want to be a part of? Mm -hmm. And that is your needs, your wants, and your desires. Now, at the end of it all, we know that this is a hard part of ourselves to own and actually be responsible for. So I know that there's work to be done already in there, but Mm. expressing these gives us the opportunity for the microscopic truth of your needs, wants, and desires to actually be presented so that you can then collaborate on what it is that you're looking for. If I walk in and say, there is absolutely no swearing in relationships, that's, that's my need, want, and desire. And my partner says, I have a tendency to do that. That's a different kind of conversation. What the, she's not saying is, and this is not the actual facts of yeah. the situation, but just an example, what she's not saying is I really want to, mm-hmm. what she's saying is I might struggle with that. Mm. And I'm hoping that if that's something that you really value that I can do my best to support, but I cannot guarantee it because it's something I'm really going to have to work hard at. Mm-hmm. And I have to be okay with that. Mm-hmm. Why? Because I don't own them. Mm-hmm. I don't own the relationship. I don't own my partner. I own myself. Right. So all I have the ability to do is control how I respond in those moments. Mm-hmm. We all know and, that, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I guess that's where I was going with that question is, um, so how do you respond? Right. And, and I mean, the general you, I think it's, if, if your partner is being honest with you saying, Hey, this is a tendency potentially, um, then if you're willing to accept it, then you accept it. Right. And it's having that level of compassion and empathy for your partner too. Mm-hmm. Don't use that as an opportunity then to guilt them or, or shame them saying, Hey, we had this conversation, you keep doing it, mm-hmm. but you've accepted it. So, you know, I think a lot of times what happens is you kind of hold that over your partner's head and uh, as guilt or, or whatever you mm-hmm. want to call it more resentment, mm-hmm. more resentment and, and more dissolvement of trust. I no longer trust that you'll be able to handle this conversation with me. So I'm going to stop having conversations with you mm-hmm. because you won't change this behavior rather yeah. than addressing it in each individual moment to moment basis and not letting it be the dictator of your entire relationship. Mm-hmm. If that succumbs in that moment and there's swearing involved because uh, against what we agreed upon, then I have the ability to take myself out of that space and say, Hey, listen, I think we're getting heated here. I'm going to go take a few minutes and I'll be right mm-hmm. back. Mm-hmm. And then you come back and in that process, they have already realized what they've done. Mm-hmm. You didn't have to belittle or disrespect or antagonize them for it. It mm-hmm. is a process for them. And you essentially lead by example, because then you open up the opportunity for them to notice when they're swearing and then say, whoa, I actually think I need to take a minute here. I'll be right back. Mm-hmm. They calm themselves down. This is, the, this is the, the concept of you can only really change yourself in a relationship. You can never actually change your partner. You can only lead by example. And if they follow, they follow. Mm-hmm. And if they don't, they don't. And over time, you have to decipher what you will accept as part of being in a relationship and what you won't. Right. Yeah, no, that's, that's fair. Uh, one of the questions I did want to ask, and I know we're getting close on time, but we talked about earlier sharing our insecurities, right? Mm. And and the reason why we struggle with that is, I mean, there's many reasons. One of them I wanted to explore is our ability to trust someone else, because maybe we've been burnt in the past. Maybe we're worried of how they'll think about us, whether they're going to judge us or not. But there's that level of trust. Now, on the receiving end, 
if you're getting that information from your partner, how do you handle it where you're able to maintain that trust? Getting what information? Like if your partner, you have those conversations around mm. your insecurities and your partner sharing that information with you that, hey, these are my insecurities mm. on the receiving end. How do you maintain mm -hmm. that trust? Yeah. And this is an incredibly fascinating part of, I think, including my relationship, every relationship is the removal of your own judgment of that experience. Mm. And, you know, this is coming from a space that I know we all do struggle with, even if we don't want to admit it is someone shares something with us. And by nature, we are judging them based on their ability or inability to handle it or to move through it, or the fact that they're even feeling that way in the first place. And, and, and it could differ for, uh, based on values too, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. 100%. And so really where I think, it, it, how do you handle it on the receiving end? It's love. And what I mean by that is it's loving them regardless, which is cliche to say, mm -hmm. but what is more important in that process as a reminder, when you say, I'm going to love them regardless is to love yourself regardless. Mm -hmm. So on the receiving end, what is really happening when they share that and you're feeling judged or, or feeling judgmental or triggered or whatever, because the whole time you're judging yourself, mm. you're, you're feeling triggered by your own insecurity, not theirs. They're just simply mirroring back to you how you feel about your own. And so what do we do on the receiving end? Well, we tend to say, we tend to gaslight. We tend to uh, be less considerate towards theirs because we're less considerate to our own. And we gaslight them because we gaslight ourselves. So how do we move through that? We do the work on our own every single day to learn how to stop gaslighting ourselves. So we stop gaslighting our partner. Yeah, we, we learn how to validate our own insecurities so we can validate theirs, but we won't right. be able to validate theirs if we don't validate our own, not Absolutely. truthfully yeah. anyway. So how do we contain that conversation? Let, really simply is being honest mm -hmm. and, and being honest with how you're feeling in that moment. And that I think goes a long way because it would really suck if I was sharing my insecurity with someone and little announced to me in their head, they're like, are you going to be okay? Like, I can't, I, what the hell? And, and, or are you something wrong with you or X, Y, Z? Like they're in this very unsafe space that I don't know. And I'm perceiving as safe. I would rather know that it's unsafe and that we can continue this conversation at a different time mm -hmm. than continue to walk myself on a thread of wire that could snap at any moment. Yeah. So noticing your own nervous system deregulation and just being honest and be like, oh, whoa, that this has nothing to do with you. I'm just, I'm feeling really some type of way with this. And it's very weird. And I know it sounds weird because you shared your insecurity with me, but it's mirroring back to me something. And I don't really know what that is. Um, so mm -hmm. I apologize. I'm sorry for that. I know that you wanted to save space here um, and I'll do my best to handle it and handle it better next time. And that's high level communication, right? Like that's really a heightened level of self-awareness. I think it's uh, at the very basis is just to, there's a concept that's in the book called um, Getting to Zero by Jason Gaddis. And he calls it LUFU and uh, L-U-F-U. And it stands for listen until fully understood. Mm -hmm. And reminding ourselves of LUFU. I guess would be the most basic way to operate that conversation is you're triggered. 
you know you are you're feeling some type of way maybe slightly insecure because they're sharing a similar insecurity and if you say lufu in your head then you say to yourself listen until you fully understand mm -hmm. and that requires you to be curious and ask questions and actually engage with them and that will slowly remove your own self uh insecurity triggers that are arising in that moment and allow you to be a little bit more of a safe space mm -hmm. absolutely Which takes practice and yeah. it's hard don't get me wrong yeah uh, it's not as simple as i make it out to be but the more the practice right the more of course the progress. I, I think biggest piece is being aware of it too right and that can yeah. help uh, uh, tremendously and, and i guess if you're not able to handle that level of truth uh whether it's your own judgments kicking in or your insecurities to your point, being honest, but also being honest about, Hey, this is not something I can handle. Mm -hmm. And, 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 you know, not giving that kind of deception to the other person and just being aware of that too, I think is important. But to your point, the biggest thing is working through it. If, if you truly care for this person. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's like, what's the most loving way I can respond to this right now? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Where, where can I bring in the most love into this equation? And, and, if that's love to your own fear of what this is bringing up, then that's, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. It's loving the fear as well. Right. So yeah, I, th I think that that question will live with me as long as I go through anything is, uh, you know, where can I bring love to this? Mm -hmm. Cause then it automatically calms my nervous system because it's almost as if just saying the word love allows me to step into it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. No, this has been great, Kyle. I mean, I feel like we can talk for <laughs> longer than this, but, uh, <laughs> Uh, unfortunately we have to come to an end, but, uh, thank you again for doing this for listeners that want to find out more about your course or yourself. What are some ways they can do that? How can they find you, uh, whether mm -hmm. it's online, social media? Yeah, please share. Absolutely. Thank you. And, and thank you again for having me because this is what I love to talk about. And like I said, at the beginning, this is what I realized livens me. So even just in this moment now, I'm ready to just keep talking. Let's just keep diving in. Yeah. But uh, if you want to know more information about me, yes, I am on social medias as the relationship coach underscore. So that's how you can find me. And I have an online course called relationships one-on-one that dives deep into what I believe to be some of the uh, most important concepts to understand either whether you're in or getting into a relationship attachment styles, love languages, codependency, uh, the upper limits problem, masculine feminine energy. It's all in there, eight full masterclasses. So you can find that uh, at coachkylerushton.com. And then you can also work with me. I provide one-on-one -on -one coaching for people who are in, ideally in relationships, those who are recovering and those who are looking to enter in. I also support couples as well in bridging their own gaps of fear into love uh, as a couple. So I'm here to support in all areas. So you can find me there. Cool. Well, that's great. Thanks again. Thank you for tuning in to another episode. As always, please subscribe to the podcast if you enjoy the episodes or leave a comment in the comment section. I always love hearing from you. Thank you again. And until next week.